Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are a high school and college gal duo and two tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Hello, we're back with another episode of Hold On To Your Racket, and today we have quite an exciting guest, our first pro player that we're having as a guest on the podcast. Very exciting stuff. But um, here we have Robin Montgomery. So hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> how are you guys? We're, we're pretty we're good stoked. right now. We're stoked. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, to give you guys a little bit of background on Robin, if you don't know about her already, um, she is a native of Washington, D.C., 17 years old. She will be 18 in just about a month, though, and she's the U.S. Open 2021 Girls Singles and Doubles Champion. Um, her other notable achievements include the 2019 Orange Bowl champion title, um, as well as winning an ITF singles title. And um, she made her WTA main draw debut at the 2020 US Open after receiving a wild card. So definitely some good memories there with that wild card and the double whammy that she took last year in the girls tournament. But Robin, we are so excited to talk with you because as we kind of brand ourselves and really um, like to talk about tennis from sort of our Gen Z perspective or as um, to young people really interested in the sport. And you're basically one of us um, in terms of being in that age category, that um, that audience. So we're super excited to hear your story and your perspectives. Yeah, we're just going to get into like the questions, but like the very first one is just an easy intro one. How did you get into tennis? Oh, <laughs> um, it's kind of a tough one and funny one, you could say. My mom, I guess I was a hyper kid when I was younger, so I've heard. Um, and my mom just wanted me to be active, so she picked tennis and I happened to just really love it. And um, yeah, I kind of just took off from there. She was just happy that I got tired after it. So she- <laughs> <laughs> Josephina but- and I have been working for the past few months as like tennis coaches slash camp counselors at our tennis camp. And we can, based on the kids that we've seen, we can totally imagine what you would have been like in terms of the hyper, super excited yeah. kids. <laughs> so that was me. <laughs> I was one of those. <laughs> so uh, you were saying like that, obviously, since you loved it, you got into it more seriously. But like, when did you really realize that you wanted to play more competitively? And how did that transition work from like more fun to taking it really seriously? Um, I think I made the transition of taking it rather seriously. I believe when I was like nine, around nine, maybe even a little earlier, possibly, um and basically like I knew I wanted to take it more seriously when we would have to consider like maybe leaving school a bit earlier than uh when they let you out doing more hours on the court going more one-on-one time with my coach 
And to make that transition, I did kind of speak up to my mom and the coach that I was working with saying that I want to take more seriously. I wanted to go on the path where the path that pros usually take or to become a junior kind of, since I didn't really know um, professionally that well, what was the path, but to get like a good junior career. So yeah, I mean, just started off section by section nationally was the first goal, obviously. Nine years old is pretty young to sort of decide to take something like that more seriously, obviously knowing that there is a potential career path down the road. Did you ever think about that? Or was it kind of just like, I really love this sport and I want to just dive deeper into it? I, when I just, like, when I made, like, the, not real, I didn't really make a choice at nine, but I just knew, like, I really loved it at that age. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, like you said, like, dive deeper into it. And I think when I, like, officially, like, knew, like, this could be an actual career was probably when I was, like, 11, 12, um, playing the bigger U.S. national tournaments, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I just graduated high school, but Josephina as a high schooler, us kind of being um, at in this age and um, being young players recreationally, competitively, and like, like a lot of our friends and our listeners, we're kind of, um, we're no stranger to obviously like how, you know, stressful and demanding it can be to play a sport competitively, whether it's at your level or even at, you know, a regular high schooler's level of competitiveness, if they're really dedicated to one sport, um, while still sort of trying to manage the rest of, you know, school life and social life and life at home and all of that. What was that experience like for you? I mean, you have a lot on your plate to balance. You said you had to start leaving school earlier, but I mean, how did it affect your day to day? I mean, it definitely was a transition and there was definitely sacrifices that uh, needed to be made Um, before we could make. Technically, I went to online school when I uh, started middle school and um, that was a big that was probably the biggest transition and sacrifice that I've um, made with tennis because the first year, like it was really tough not seeing anyone from my school having any friends outside of tennis it was stay at home do school then go to tennis practice pretty um I kind of want to say boring even though it's pretty exciting what I was doing but in that moment I was kind of like I'm 13 and not really like you said getting any social socialization and seeing any of my friends back at school Um, but then once I got through that little patch, it was, I was able to see clear of like what my goal was and understand that for this career sacrifices need to be made. And obviously it's definitely grueling, um, balancing school and athletics. Like it's very stressful (laughs) for no matter what level you're at balancing school, plus any extracurricular activities outside is tough it's mentally and it can be mentally draining and yeah but yeah sacrifice (laughs) yeah of course um so like recently I guess if you want to get into it 
like mental health has been a huge topic just like in tennis and sports in general especially with um last year when Naomi Osaka decided to take that um break but um just how like you said that like sometimes it was you could get down because like it was just difficult but what have you done to like improve your mental health or kind of just take care of it I guess I mean yeah I think it's very it's good seeing honestly people bring up mental health uh more now and realizing that athletes at like the soccer level or even just in general mental health is something that we've always I think avoided talking about um ways that I've tried to cope I'm still learning obviously but um when I was younger would go through things I would keep them to myself and didn't want to show people that I was struggling or anything or wasn't having fun. Um, So one thing I'm doing better is trying to talk to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, Yeah, of course. Not people, but like, I mean, obviously in your close circle, (laughs) I Mm -hmm. don't go talking to like a stranger about my (laughs) problems. But um, it's, it's definitely tough. And it's something I think we all it's I would I wouldn't say it's bad to not go through mental problems but at the same time it's I don't know it's tough (laughs) it's hard to talk about I mean I remember I had this one trip where I was 13 and I went to Japan actually with no parent or anything, just with the coach from my club. And it was my first like month trip and I got really homesick, mm. like so homesick that like, it made me even consider like, Ooh, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. And everyone was asking me like, what's wrong? Like you need to go play these like this and that. And granted, since I was 13, I didn't know how to explain like anything I was truly feeling um but like I said I think it's we need it needs to be something that we talk about and it's not bad that we have days where we feel bad or we're not enjoying something even though deep down we know we love it um because it's just all about different things yeah of course and like we really appreciate your perspective especially as a young player because obviously like any teenagers still figuring everything out whether you're playing tennis like super competitively like you or just literally living life so I think it's super interesting that like you're very honest about the fact that you're still like learning how to deal with it I feel like we all are it's just like a life thing it's just the thing that goes on and on and on and yeah it's great that we're like talking about it now more because it just feels like it makes it feel like you're not alone basically yeah I was just going to say, like, you kind of alluded to this, but I think people have this conception that athletes have some sort of innate superpower that they don't have to go through this stuff or that they don't have to, um, like, they don't experience those same sort of mental health um, struggles sometimes. But I think especially, um, as Josephina said, we're seeing more people talk, um, speak out about it. Um, but also when you're looking at literally someone who's uh, your age, for example, 
um, going through a lot of the same transitions that regular teenagers are going through, it kind of puts it more at the level where you can understand that this is something that's kind of like an equalizer. Uh, we all have to sort of find ways to do it. And um, Josephina and I, even though, again, we're definitely not playing tennis as competitively as you are, but kind of see, like, you know, have this relationship with it where tennis gives us so much and is so much fun. It's so relaxing. It's in many ways, a stress reliever, it's our outlet, but at times playing it or being surrounded by it can also be inducing that stress. So it's kind of like a little give and take relationship, but you got to make it to be a healthy one. Yeah, it's just all about finding the right balance and it takes time to get that balance. And there's even a chance even when you find that balance, you're still going to lose it at moments. So it's life. I always say it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like before we were talking about kind of like what your school experience was, and obviously like you decided to start taking it very seriously at a young age, but did you ever consider playing college tennis or did you know that like the pro path was for you? Um, it's not like I, oh, that's tough. Because the thing is, my mom always said college tennis from the start or like college was always a part of the plan. Um, while with me, I never really thought about college tennis. Um, I wouldn't play it if I was in the position to play it. But the main reason why it, I think it didn't come to my mind is because I didn't want to deal with the academic side. <laughs> so I was more kind of like, no, this um is what I want to do and my coach and I we always had the goal of to become professional um and that was the main thing on my head and I would use the motivation to not do academics to push harder (laughs) um I don't know if this is a good thing so if other other people are listening do your schoolwork (laughs) but (laughs) No, that makes sense, though. Like, because you want to dedicate, like, as much time as possible yeah. to tennis, like, obviously, that's the right path for you. It really it really depends on the person, I guess. Yeah, yeah I wasn't really, I mean, I still got good grades, but I wasn't that motivated in school. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get that. <laughs> um, we kind of now want to transition into how you really well, transitioned from being a junior player or just like a competitive player to playing more um, seriously in in these national tournaments and um, at the junior level, at the pro level. So um, first thing is, you know, you talked about how, for example, on this trip to Japan, you were only with your coach and obviously that was difficult. But as you sort of took the leap into becoming more competitive, how were you able to form a supportive team around you and who have been some of your biggest supporters? That's a good question. Uh, so basically, like you said, I'm a native of Washington, D.C. So most of my junior career, I trained at um, Junior Tennis Champion Center in College Park, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And okay. while I was there, my biggest support system well, one is always going to be my mom. <laughs> um, so she's the main one. And I think without her commitment to um, her commitment and trust in me, knowing that I am belief that I can make it in tennis um, played a huge role. And then I'll have to say my coach, uh, 
throughout my junior career. His name was Ali, who helped obviously build my foundation as a tennis player. Um, and then TC, who was my fitness coach. So those were the big three, I would say, my, of my support team through my junior career and were there for me when I decided to transition to professionally. Um, and they're still, I'd still consider them my support team. We talk mostly uh, almost every week, even if I'm not at home. And it means a lot because it's like they put a lot of hours <laughs> dealing with me. Um, so everything I do obviously means double as much to me because I'm also doing it for them as well. Yeah, totally. Um, we also wanted to sort of ask about your training. So you mentioned um, the center where you um, initially started training, but um, obviously like we've seen stuff about how you've trained at the Murata Glue Academy as well. So how did, you know, your training schedule evolve as you um, got more serious and got more competitive and what does it look like now? Um, well, when I was in the junior career, my tournament schedule or training schedule basically was like two weeks of tournaments, two weeks of training. And that's how it pretty much went. Mm -hmm. Um, I was considered one of the lucky ones because I got my ranking up high enough where I didn't have to go do like the four week tournaments, stuff like that. So usually the higher ranked you are, the more of a tournament schedule there's built to follow and it's kind of technically less tournaments. Um, when I transitioned to the pro, we tried to keep kind of the same since I grew up with a very, um, with that system my whole life, we wanted to ease into it using the same system and then obviously increase whether I needed to increase or not. Uh, unfortunately, due to the circumstances uh, with COVID and everything, and then the end of 2021, I got injured. Um, I twisted my ankle. Mm -hmm. And then in June this year, I'm currently dealing with a wrist problem. So my training schedule and tournament schedule have been like kind of on a pause, you could say, because it's we're just waiting to see when I would technically be healthy. But okay. the goal now is it's not even the goal. I'm, really, the open is when I should be good again. Yeah, fingers crossed. We're we'll be excited to see you there for sure. <laughs> yeah. On the theme of like support teams and kind of people who have supported you, but like have for example any organizations you feel supported you like for example the USTA, like the ITF, WTA, like do you feel that they've pushed you in your career or given you any like significant help? Yeah, I mean to um organizations that helped me a lot like you said USTA and the NJTL excellence team those two have really helped me through um my junior career and they're still helping me a lot now which is really it's great knowing that you have support outside of your small out of your team technically mm -hmm. and your uh family slash close friends and then the few WTA tournaments that I've been to, the setup and everything is really great. They have a team that's there that travels basically to every WTA event. So, and they do a really good job trying to make sure we're all healthy, okay, healthy mentally and physically, like all the above and making sure we're getting um, taken care of. 
Mm -hmm. And when you say like these organizations like the NJTL and the USCA have helped you, could you sort of um, talk a little bit more about that? It just depends the player. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's situation is different. But one thing they do for all of us or any American player is like training. Whenever we need training, they their their campus is open to any of us. They they have physios there and everything. Um, but yeah, that's it. Just all it depends the player. Yeah, we're going to talk about kind of your first WTA main draw experience, your first Grand Slam, the U.S. Open in twenty twenty. So. What was your reaction when you realized that you received a wild card and how did you find out about it? My reaction was, I would say, speechless. I was shocked because, like I said, it was during COVID. Like, we were just mm -hmm. getting back into the swing of tournaments and everything. Um, and when I found out, I was actually at College Park and I found out through, I believe, Instagram. I think, really? Like, I yeah, if I recall, I went on Instagram and I saw I was tagged in a U.S. Open post. And um, when I read it correctly, I was like freaking out. But it was really it was at a good moment because it was during one of our summer camps. And so my coach was there. Another coach that I um, and close with was there. Francis Tiafa was also there. So we were all just like celebrating and have like. Just really happy that the opportunity came along. I think it's really funny that like the US Open out of all like tournaments would just like <laughs> tag you in an Instagram post and just be done with it. Yeah. Like, no email before, nothing. Just like here it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, but it's also it adds a little adrenaline and shock to it. But at the same time, you're kind of like, is it true? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But um the U.S. Open, like, in 2020 was obviously very different. So, like, did you get that Grand Slam vibe feel right away? Like, did you realize how – well, obviously you realized how big it was. But, like, how was playing in that bubble, for example, like, as a first Grand Slam tournament? It was different. It, it was very different. We were all adjusting to the rules, like, wearing masks and no fans, nothing. Um Granted, I've been to the Open many times before, not obviously not as a as a pro player. So I knew my surroundings and everything. And I knew it was still a big deal. Um, and honestly, it was kind of nice having the facility empty. <laughs> I mean, we were we were really able to see like the whole facility. But yeah, it was very different. I will still say I'm glad it was my first um, Grand Slam experience, though, because being a young person. The crowd can be a little intense. Yes. yes. So, Especially the US Open. Yeah. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love playing in front of crowds and everything. But I think there were some pros to the way it was set up with the bubble that year as well. Your next US Open, US Open 2021 last year, where you were playing in back in the juniors draw, but you took home both the singles and the doubles title. So which title do you feel was most unexpected? Uh, singles. <laughs> really? Okay. Probably singles. I mean, both were, no, yeah, singles. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, uh, I didn't play, I don't think I played, I only played one other junior tournament besides the U.S. Open, and that was French Open. And mm -hmm. I 
it was weird because I was going in between that back and forth of, all right, are we just going pro? Are we still doing juniors? Mm -hmm. So it was that back and forth moment. And then since my only junior tournament was French Open, I was kind of like, okay, I don't, some of these people I don't know anymore. New juniors are coming up. Like, who knows who they are, if they're like really good or something. And knowing that it was at the Open, going into the tournament, I really just wanted to make it past my first round <laughs> yeah so that was that was always the main goal and I just took it match by match I never really thought about winning it until it came probably came down to the semis or not even the semis like right when that day came it was probably yeah. when I actually realized I was like oh shit yeah <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> um, um how do you feel that kind of you know, doubles has helped your singles game or singles has helped your doubles game. Um, do you like playing both? Like, I think we're seeing a lot more, even on the pro side, um, these top players are trying to play a bit of doubles as well. Um, how do you feel like it kind of helps? I mean, yeah, I think playing doubles and singles is honestly great for both for both of them. Singles helps doubles, doubles helps singles, like you said. and. I think either when you're playing one, you can work on things to help the other, kind mm -hmm. of. Like, it doesn't even have to be about the winning aspect. Obviously, winning is great, but you also can use that opportunity to have more court time, more reps, and just being able to play more points, mm -hmm. I think also helps um, getting... I mean, there's obviously different variables wherever you are, getting used to the core, getting used to the atmosphere, uh, altitude, if there is any. So there's there's many positives, I believe, of playing both singles and doubles. It helps your game and it helps making adjustments when needed. Yeah, for sure. To round out this discussion about, you know, that awesome tournament that you had last year, what did you overall take away from that experience? I mean, you were um, obviously still kind of, you know, deciding, as you said, between junior and pro, like what did sort of winning both um, trophies kind of, uh, what did you take away from that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of emotions going on in the moment and, one thing that I took away from it was that if you believe that you can do it, anything's possible. Um, it was a monumental moment. And the main thing, when I realized what I did, the first thing that I wanted to do was truly embrace the moment and enjoy what I just accomplished. Because sometimes in the tennis world, even if you're winning, it's always what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm -hmm. Um, so the main thing I took away from that was to really embrace and acknowledge what I just had accomplished with the double win. Yeah, yes, that makes sense. Um, so then, <laughs> unlike what you were saying about just thinking about what's next, but like overall, just we're wondering how like the transition from junior tennis to pro tennis really works, because like you kind of bounced around here, like US Open 2020, you were playing in the main draw, and then US Open 2021, you were playing girls. Like, how does how does that work? Is it up to you, or do you, like, age out of it, just in general? It obviously all depends on the player. What, when 
during my transition, the problem is, is with pro events, when you're under 18, each year you have a certain amount of pro tournaments you can play. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're 15, you can only play, I think it's either, like, 10 or 12. When you're 16, it's 14. Like, just numbers like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, it's the age eligibility rule. And they, I don't know when they made that rule, but it was obviously to prevent juniors avoid getting burnt out when we got older. Um, and the reason why I had the back and forth was because we, I wasn't getting enough matches on the pro side because mm-hmm. of the tournament limit that I had due to my age. So we mixed in juniors just so I could get in the tournament momentum, be able to play more matches and, that was the reason why. And a lot of juniors go through that, the back and forth. So when you play more pro, most of the time the juniors, when you get to the top, you just play the junior slams. So it, it really all just depends the player. Um, for the juniors, once you turn 18, you're technically, you're, you either have one more year or you're aged out. Um, so if you're under 18 and then you have the tournament limit, it's best to mix it up just to get make sure you get enough matches and everything yeah awesome so um you said that uh recently you've been sidelined with that wrist injury but like what has that been like because obviously like any other athlete you have aspirations but just like going through rehab mental health are you you getting ready to come back or are you taking it slowly and carefully or kind of just you want to just get back to tournaments and playing I mean, it's both. Obviously, I want to make sure uh, I'm 100%. And the way that um, I've been progressing, um, I trust it and I am ready to come back. But at the same time, you have to listen to your body. But um, it, it can be tough mentally for me. I think I've handled it pretty well. Um, and like I said, it's kind of, it is what it is. So you go, you, t- I just decided to take it head on and deal with it and know that whatever happens, I'll come back stronger. So. So when can we expect to see you back on court next? You mentioned US Open. So we hope that'll be, uh, we'll be able to catch you there. Um, but are you planning on playing anything before then to kind of warm up or you're going to go right into it? The goal is to play a warm-up tournament the week before the Open. So, but also just due to my ranking as well, it depends if I'll be able to get in to the warm-up tournament. So if you don't see me in a warm-up tournament, it might be because my ranking isn't high enough if I don't get a wild card. But um, that that's the goal and the reason, the deadline pretty much of when I should be good. All right, we'll be excited. Um, before we kind of move on to a few fun questions, um, we kind of wanted to end our kind of career-related discussion with something that we're particularly interested in because it is obviously like from your personal perspective um, and you know a unique one. So we kind of wanted to ask, obviously we're two young girls, same age as you, um, really interested in sports and kind of beyond just the um, on-court side of tennis, but also everything else that goes on around it. But for you, kind of as a young woman, as a young woman of color, obviously in the tennis world, you're 
um, it's going to be a different experience um, than a lot of other people or in athletics in general. So are there any kind of ways that you can speak to your identity having in any way, whether it be one of those two ways or anything else, having affected your experience as a professional athlete? Obviously, there's two sides, being a woman and then obviously women of color. Um, the biggest thing is obviously equal pay. <laughs> That's definitely the biggest difference you see with um, tennis and even other sports in general. Um, granted, I'm still younger, so I'm not really concerned about the money, but that is a problem that we do still have. And then I will say I was one of the lucky ones where it didn't truly affect um, me growing up and playing the sport, but obviously I saw it around me mm -hmm. with a few, few of my friends and growing up and everything. And it's truly an eye opener just to show like how, how people see us differently, even though we're all doing the same things, we all want the same goals and everything. But I will say as one of, I haven't had to face it yet. And hopefully I don't have to, but it is, it's the world we live in. So. Yeah, for sure. We totally get that. And just even in general, um, like for example, Shravi and I, we are in the same tennis program and it's like heavily male dominated. That's something that we've just noticed. And it's obviously difficult because even the coaching staff is just like all male. Yeah. So it's difficult to like really find, for example, like, um, a woman that you can actually get close to that has experience with tennis. So like, we understand like on every level, there's just different ways that it can affect your experience as an athlete in general. Yeah. Uh, even when I was growing up, we only had like two, maybe three women coaches. Um, um, but yeah, like it's, I, like I said, in my experience, I've been lucky because growing up I had a male black coach and then I've been recently connected with a female coach. So I will like, <laughs> been more on the luckier side um with things uh it definitely does change the experience that everyone will get throughout the sport or even in general yeah for sure okay um awesome so now we're going to move on to some more lighthearted questions obviously because that was just a tough really tough question to end the career side of things yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um okay so the first one is what does your typical day look like like what do you do off the court outside of tennis just in general like your schedule like an average day average day well I usually wake up have a morning practice then fitness right after the morning practice then I'll have like a quick break for lunch and during that period I would either just be chilling on the couch watching TikTok or Netflix until it's time to go back for my second practice um and then I would have a second practice and then when I'm done pretty much come back chill again read and then go to dinner that's pretty there's not a lot of free time <laughs> during the day um with a normal day but then when it's the weekend I obviously have more time and I'll spend time with uh, my family, friends, go shopping. 
basic teenager yes. things. <laughs> exactly. Um, who are some of your closest friends on tour? I have, uh, I would say, three. Um, the thing is, they're not one person isn't on tour. She's going to college, but it would be Reese Brantmeyer. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. She played, yes. You played against her in the doubles final. Yeah. At the U.S. Open. Yeah. So she would be my, clo- basically, that's my closest friend on tour, I would say. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> what about the other two? Well, that's Clervy. I don't know if you know okay. um, her, but she's also from D.C. And then Katrina. Katrina Scott? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Is there anyone on tour you kind of, I mean, it could be, you could even say like, Roger Federer, if you wanted to, this can literally be anyone. It does not have to be um, someone you've ever spoken to. But anyone, someone on tour you feel like would be someone fun to hang out with, wish you were closer with, kind of in an ideal world would want to be um, friends with. Seems like a good time. That's a tough question. I might have to go with your Federer response. I mean, who <laughs> doesn't want to know Federer? <laughs> um. Now, let me think. I know there's, I definitely, like, when I was at, like, Miami Open, I definitely was like, oh, yeah, the, like, he or she would be cool. Yeah. Um, crap. I'm, like, completely blanking. Would it help if Josephina and I shared some of ours? Yeah. Let's okay. do it. <laughs> um, I feel like Annette Contivate seems oh my God, yeah. so fun to be around like her Instagram Josephina and I talk about this so much her Instagram is so aesthetic she just always seems like she's having a blast so on the women's side she's definitely someone who I feel like would be fun to hang around with Uh, I was gonna I thought of one um Barty (gasps) oh yes yes oh yes good answer good answer yeah um, and then kind of like leaning towards that spectrum, did you have like an idol growing up? Whether it could be tennis, it could literally be in any aspect of your life, mm-hmm. just in general, somebody you looked up to. Uh when I was younger, it was t- like within tennis, it was Serena and Venus, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and then when I started growing up and realizing who was also training at College Park, Francis. He started to become my role model when I realized um, that he was actually pro <laughs> and good at tennis. <laughs> so, yeah, and now he's like an older brother to me. Um, so, yeah, those would be my main two or three. And then have you ever like had like a fangirl or starstruck moment by somebody on tour? Like when you were, for example, at Miami, you said you met a couple of people. Like, have you ever been like, oh, my God, I'm actually meeting this person? Yeah, I think one time my first hit with Venus, I was kind of like, yo, there's no way I'm <laughs> hitting with Venus right now. Um, and then. And oh, yeah, it was Osaka at US Open. I got to hit with Osaka and she was so sweet. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those would be the two where I was like now shocked. And then I did walk past like Baratini and I was like just watching him all the time. Wait, wait, let's 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 discuss for a second. Jo- Josephine noticed I am 
the biggest Matteo Berrettini fan for multiple reasons. You know, there's there's multiple reasons to be a Matteo Berrettini fan. I'm a fan for all of those reasons, but I I can only imagine what that must be. I that yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a big moment. <laughs> um all right our next question is what has been your favorite and least favorite tournament experience it's going to be anything from based on how you played based on how the food was based on what literally anything oh picking a favorite is tough because there's a lot but I will say one of my biggest like it's out of the ordinary it's not a normal tournament it's um world team it's like a world team event and it was um the 14 and under uh basically fed cup junior junior fed cup kind of thing that is Mm -hmm. going it's actually going on in czech republic right now that was probably one of the most like biggest trips that was like the most fun because it's like a team event we don't get to do that many team events so having all the young ones from all across the world is probably was one of my most favorite. Um, and then obviously us open after that, because I'm a little biased by that. But. <laughs> we are too. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, least favorite. God, I'm trying to think. I know there was a least favorite where I was like, yeah, this food sucks. But, <laughs> um, there was this one trip I did take in Mexico where the food was a little sus, but. <laughs> I feel uh, like that's concerning considering they're feeding like pro athletes, but um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a junior event. So obviously it's not the same as like WTA and ATP events that are in Mexico, but. I also got sick, so I wasn't really oh. vibing with the place. So yeah, least favorite. <laughs> yeah. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> so our next question is if you didn't play tennis, what sports career would you choose? Like it could be anything. It could be just ideally. Oh, I struggle with this question so much. <laughs> I think. Um if I started young, I think I would pick basketball. I think okay. I, if I actually committed to basketball like I did with tennis, I would be a good basketball player. I've always liked track, but I'm, I don't like running that much. So, <laughs> yeah, we get that. <laughs> Shall we move into our rapid fire? Yes. Okay. Favorite Uh-oh. workout song. Favorite workout. <laughs> um. Any little baby song. Okay. <laughs> uh, favorite like TV show, movie, or book right now? The new Despicable Me movie that just came out. The <laughs> Minions movie. <laughs> I watched it twice. It was so funny. So good. Favorite snack? Uh, dried mango. Solid. Okay, nice. Uh, most used emoji most used oh the skull you say we use that so we both use that so much i am looking for other ones because i'm like this is showing up way too much when i should search it up on my my messages (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, most used app? Uh, probably TikTok. <laughs> yeah. It's in between TikTok and Snapchat. That's okay. Like, yeah. And dream doubles partner. Dream doubles partner. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with Barty again. <laughs> Very solid nice. answer for anything. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Robin. This was a lot of fun. We had just a couple more. Um, really, you know, yeah, just a couple more questions for our listeners to kind of hear your thoughts on as we conclude the episode. The first being, so what's next for you in your career? What are your goals? Obviously, you're getting ready to come back from injury, but looking ahead, um, what do you sort of um, want um, to move on to next? I mean, the main thing, my next goal is to just get more experience on the tour, really, and get, obviously, win. <laughs> it's the main goal. Like I said, getting experience and really enjoying every step of the journey is, those are my biggest goals, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so besides you, just like, in, as tennis in general, like, we've seen, for example, we were just talking about, like, how people have been speaking out about mental health more. But, like, stuff like that, what direction do you hope tennis as a sport is headed in? Like, is there something that the sport in general could do better? Or what do they do well already, just, like, as an environment? I think we're already taking a step forward in the right direction, being open about talking about mental health. And also the WTA and ATP have done a great job with having mental um psychiatrists and everything on the road at the tournaments with us and it's all it's mostly the main there's like two main ones that are always at the tournaments they're open to talk with any player and I think that's one great thing and I hope it keeps improving like that yeah okay awesome Awesome. so that's pretty much it for the questions if there's obviously anything else you'd like to share but like that's kind of the end of the our interview part but um thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's no, thank you. <laughs> very fun and uh yeah thank you so much for joining us and that is game set and match for today if you like this episode please let us know and stay tuned for more we'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and of course all the tea on tour Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next week as the U.S. Open approaches. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.